Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody. Thanks. We've been uh, been on a slight hiatus, but we're back, and we're glad that you're here, or will be here, uh, once the show is podcasted, downloaded, and recorded. So, episodes here, folks, and that's great. That's, uh, actually, it's a lot more than that. I deleted some. I uh, deleted the worst ones, I think. <laughs> I think, uh, but um, you know we're always trained ch- changing things around here. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting live out of the city of Chicago. It is pitch black because of daylight savings time. I'm just so I don't know ecstatic about it. Uh, I mean, I, I love it when the days are lasting a lot longer. You know, sunshine's out a lot longer, a few hours longer. Uh, Getting dark at four o'clock is really <laughs> is not the way to go from my from where I stand anyway. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I hope everybody's doing great. I hope everybody's doing fine. I hope everybody's just yeah, you know, well, no, not depressed, not lonely, not not, not uh, anything that's negative, you know. But it's a lot of lonely people out here, man. It is a. You think people aren't lonely? People are lonely. I think there's more lonely young ladies out here uh, and some middle-aged ladies than there are guys. You know, um, it's a lot of lonely people. And the thing about it 
uh, a lot of lonely people. It, 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 it's, it's like that Paul McCartney song. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? That's a Beatles song. Obviously, he's the author of that song because he sang it. So uh, Eleanor Rigby is the title that comes to mind. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? It makes you wonder, where do they all come from? Um, the, a lot of people are lonely by themselves because they want to be. They prefer to be by themselves. They don't want to, they're not people oriented. They're not people kinds of persons, if I said that correctly. Uh, a lot of people are just want to be by themselves because they just like being by themselves. And, and if you try to interfere with their isolation or their loneliness, uh, you may have a rude awakening, especially if people like being alone. They don't want to be talked to. They don't want to be nothing. You know, they just leave them, leave me alone. And you bet the best thing you can do is leave them alone. I mean, I've ran across some of these folks who who rather be by themselves than to be with anyone. They hate people. They can't stand people. And so you leave them alone. You leave them alone. You move on. I mean, you know, I mean, if this person doesn't want to reach out, the hell with the hell with anybody who doesn't want to reach out. The hell with someone who wants to remain in their own muck. You know, if someone's down and they want to be down, let them stay down. You know, it's not your uh, place to try to uh, improve someone's life who doesn't want their life to be improved on. You know, like the song said a long time ago, I can't let's see if I can recall some of the lyrics. Is it? I can't help you uh, if you want to go to something like that. If you want a bed, if you want a place to uh, a roof over your head, I can help you. But if you want to sleep on the ground, if you prefer to be eating out of garbage cans, I can't help you. Go and do it until your heart's intent. But let me say this. Um, never, ever let anybody try to kill your dreams. Never let anybody make you feel as if you're not as good as you are. In other words, never let anybody make you feel as if you are inferior. Because there's a lot of people out there want you to think that you're inferior, that you're not good enough to be invited anywhere, to be around a certain people of influence. You tell them people to go straight to hell and kiss your ass. I've had people on the show. I've had people on Facebook and other uh, social media telling me that people in their own family are re- their own families are rejecting them and trying to belittle them because they want to make something of themselves. And this is happening all over. I mean, you've got people who are being ridiculed. And bullied by folks in their own family. You're not good enough. Uh, uh, Don't try that. You're not good at that. That's not going to work. Never, never let anybody tell you what's not going to work for you in your life if you know otherwise. They're out there. They are out there. And they're in your own family. They're people. They're the folks who are. Maybe that's why many people like being being alone. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. But anyway, there's all kinds of reasons for people who want to be alone. Um, but anyway, getting back to not letting anyone to make you feel inferior. Or not good enough. Or that you have to try to some way please them, make them happy. Do something or say something or buy something that's going to make them like you. You tell those folks to go straight to hell and never come back. Because as I've said, I've had people on my show, on Facebook, telling me, George, my my boyfriend this, my girlfriend that, my family this, and blah, 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 blah. get rid of them. I don't care who they are. If they're not on your side, if they're not with you, they are against you. You don't need to be around people who do not have your interest at heart. There's a lot of people who don't know how to praise someone who is successful. They don't know how to praise someone who is doing something remarkable. They want that person to always feel that they're doing nothing remarkable. You have to get those people out of your life. Believe me, I mean, I I wouldn't say anything if it hasn't happened to me, but I know it's happening to so many other people out here. I could write about it, but I'm, but I'm, exhausted <laughs> in writing. If you if you take a look at my Amazon page, you'll see that uh, I'm all exhausted out. I got a few more uh, things up my sleeve, though. Anyway, yeah, I mean, get get rid of these people. I mean, my show is out to make the world a better place. And the only way that we can make the world a better place is to let people know that they are great. They are creative. They are it. It, it, it takes the American people to make America great, greater. This is a great country. Don't let Donald Trump bullshit you. It, it was great before he, it was a great country before this guy was born. You know, it was a great country then. And, and, as, as, and we progressed to the point where it is a lot more greater. And what makes America great? It's the people. It's Americans. It's us. We're the ones who make this country great. With tyrants like Donald Trump, we have to stand tall to make this country even greater than what it is. Because Donald Trump and the Republicans, there's no doubt about it, they're trying to tear it apart. They want to tear it up. And if it wasn't for that blue wave, we'd be fucked. Yes, it was a blue wave. It was. It may not have been enough to win us the uh, Senate and some of the governorships around America, but we still have a say in our government right now. Still have a say in it. It's going to be a fight between the Democrats and the people in the Senate because the people in the Senate – They're going to try to stop the Democrats from impeaching Trump. And I said this again. I I would love to see him impeached, but I would rather see him go to jail. This man, (laughs) he deserves a lot more than just impeachment. Impeachment means either he's going to be gone from office or he's not. I mean, impeaching doesn't mean that he's going to be out. He's not going to be president. I mean, Bill Clinton was impeached. But he was still president. The reason why Donald Trump is not going, if he's impeached, and I hope he is, um, 
he's not going anywhere because the Senate is not going to go along with what the House uh, is going to do, impeaching him. The Senate, you got to have the Senate, the House, um, and and uh, to override a lot of things, and he'll be impeached. But other than that, we're going to have Donald Trump to, uh, looks like until 2020, unless the Russia probe, Mueller, and his gang of FBI investigators somehow nail Donald Trump where he has where he can't finish out a term. And I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. Every day I get up and turn on my computer, I'm looking for something saying Donald Trump indicted. Donald Trump just died. Donald Trump is going to prison. I'm looking for something every day. And I'm not the only one. You've got you've got a lot of Americans doing the same thing. They say a few people have said, "Well, every day I get up, George, I, I'm hoping that this guy is locked up. <laughs> I'm hoping that he's no longer president." But every day we get up, it's some more shit coming from from Donald Trump's pie hole. And I and I've said this a thousand times. A lot of these things that Donald Trump says, he just pulls shit straight up out of his ass. See where it sticks. The next day, he's going to say something else stupid. And then the next day, he's going to say something to divide us more. And the next day, he's going to say something that's going to distract us from what we've uh, already been talking about pertaining to his administration. So the blue wave does continue. It, it, and I think it's going to continue uh, into January of next year. Still some races out here. Still some races out here between Republicans and Democrats that have not been resolved. Resolved. So the blue wave still continues. And it. a lot of people are saying it wasn't a blue wave. If that was no blue wave, try asking Donald Trump if it was a blue wave. <laughs> try asking him. Try asking Mitch McConnell and some other Republicans. Yes. This was a blue wave. Americans got out there and took their country back. But for some reason, in some way, they have, they're going to have to take more of it back. You know, and that's going to be uh, taking the Senate and taking the executive office. You know, because there's no doubt about it. I mean, if Trump is impeached, uh, there's, there's a chance where he may still be holding office as he and still be uh, impeached, but impeached only by the House of Representatives. And I, I still get some people asking me why am I in support of Don, uh, not not Donald Trump, but why I'm I'm in support of Nancy Pelosi not being the next next Speaker of the House. I've I've gave my reasons uh, months and months ago, probably last year. Uh, and I don't mind giving them again because there are people out here whenever I say I'm not supporting uh, Nancy Pelosi for um, Speaker of the House is because one of the reasons, there are several, one reason is her age. She's going to be 80. I've said this before on the show. She's going to be 80 years old, folks. Don't you think it's time? I have nothing against her as a woman. I'm not sexist. I don't have nothing against her service to 
this country. It's just that she's 80 years old or, or will be. And you know how people can forget. People can, you know, have lapses, uh, 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 momentary lapses of reason. Uh, I'm not saying she's going to uh, have those things, but we need new blood. We need someone with new ideas, someone who's not afraid to bring it to the uh, Republicans and Democrat Republicans and Donald Trump. And you saying, well, Nancy going to do that. I don't think so. I think Nancy, uh, Somehow, I just have this feeling that Nancy and Donald Trump are in the same basket. You remember, uh, I don't know if you can recall, several times Donald Trump has come out and stated that he wants to see Nancy Pelosi elected. And Nancy Pelosi herself is on record for saying Donald Trump should not be impeached. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that she is not going to be aggressively fighting Donald Trump and these investigations. She is not going to impeach a man who actually deserves to be impeached. It's going to now she has said, I've heard her say, well, we're going to have to wait for the investigations. Investigations, my ass. This man's unsaid enough things, have done enough crap to be thrown out of office. I just think she's going to be soft on Donald Trump. I think she's going to come up with the same old ideas that that got the Democrats to lose the House of Representatives, uh, uh, the, the House of Representatives way back in 2010. I remember when they lost it, and I think the reason why. The Democrats lost their house in 2010. They were bickering. They were arguing. They couldn't get along. It, they were all on television. Everybody hated them. I hated them. And that, and because of that, the Republicans owned everything after that. They owned it all. The Democrats fucked up and lost their house way back in, 19, in, in 2010. Sorry, 2010. Because of bickering, arguing, not knowing what to do, Max Buckus and Ben somebody. I mean, they were just horrible back in 2010. Obama was president. I think it was maybe his first or second year as president of the United States. He couldn't bring them together. He couldn't do anything. They were just they weren't camera shy. The, the Republicans, I mean, the Democrats back in 2010, they had all these committees. They were a part of all of these uh, functions that the House gives them. And they, I think they got, they got full of themselves. They were full of themselves. Thinking they were better than the other House member or something like that. The Democrats were fighting and bickering each other. And that's why they lost the House to the Republicans. Uh, maybe it was a good thing. And Nancy Pelosi was the House Speaker then. Do we really want that? She couldn't bring them together. She couldn't get them together. 
stopping them from bickering and disagreeing and and saw all of this play out on television and and progressives and liberals voted for republicans that's how they lost the house at least that's how i see it or saw it no i don't think nancy pelosi needs to be reelected will she be i don't know but i do know that there are lots of uh representatives in the house who say they are not going to vote for for her then there's people on facebook leave nancy pelosi alone she's the best thing we have now this is probably coming from a lot of people who don't know what's going on period they're just running off at the mouth because they're feeling sorry for her don't feel sorry for nancy pelosi she's rich she may be bordering on being a millionaire. Nancy Pelosi has lots and lots of money. You don't. So, uh, but that's not the reason why I'm saying that she's not. Uh, I'm just, I just feel that she ran her course. You know, I, I think that uh, she should probably go home and retire, hang out with her children, her grandchildren, her great great grandchildren. And let the young people fight this. Let the young people do it. I'm not saying she can't hang around to give some ad- give her advice or something, uh, give something of her experience uh, as being Speaker of the House, representatives. Uh, as for as for Speaker, no. And I know there's a lot of people out there who's going to continue to disagree with me. That's fine. You disagree with me. I gave you my explanation for not wanting to see Nancy Pelosi back as uh, Speaker of, of the House. Now you can give me yours. Or why do you think that Nancy Pelosi should stay Speaker of the House? And I understand that uh, the Democrats will take charge of the House of Representatives on January 3rd, and they their first of order of business is going to be investigating Donald Trump. They're doing the job that the Republicans did not do because they were, as Al Green said, not the singer, the representative, as Al Green have said, are they complicit? Yeah, of course they're complicit. They're all taking Russian money. So Mueller is going to have a... I agree with one thing that Obama has said. He said "There's <laughs> the Republicans have garnered so many indictments, it's enough to fill a football field. And they're right. They have garnered so much indictments and subpoenas that it's going to be unreal when this stuff uh, hits the fan, and it's going to hit hit the fan. Um, all right, folks, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and uh, we're talking uh, Nancy Pelosi at the moment. Uh, do you think Nancy Pelosi should retain her speakership in the House of Representatives, and why? <laughs> There's always a why. There's always a why. All right. Uh, do you think um, 
Donald Trump should be impeached and why? You know, these are questions that beg to be answered because, you know, this is we're living in some serious times. Tonight, I'm Don Lemon. Lawyers for President Trump are expected to submit written answers to questions posed uh, by the special counsel soon. Well, the president well, met multiple times with the attorneys over his past week, his attorneys over the past week, amid a scaled back public schedule. When asked about answering questions from Mueller's office, he said this. I write the answers. My lawyers don't write answers. I write answers. Uh, I was asked a series of questions. I've answered them very easily. The Mueller team has been incredibly tight-lipped about their work, but a number of things happening in the past week suggest things are picking up. On Monday, Veterans Day, a federal holiday, at least eight Mueller prosecutors were spotted showing up to work. Monday is also when former Trump attorney and fixer Michael Cohen was spotted in the D.C. train station with one of his criminal defense lawyers. On Wednesday, Mueller asks for a delay in sentencing for former Trump aide Rick Gates, saying Gates continues to cooperate with respect to several ongoing investigations. Former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort has held multiple meetings in recent weeks with Mueller's team. Manafort was convicted of eight counts of bank and tax fraud in August 
and subsequently struck a plea deal last month to avoid a second federal trial. Longtime Trump ally Roger Stone said he is prepared to be indicted, possibly for something pertaining to the 2016 election. Stone's associate, right-wing conspiracy theorist, theorist Jerome Corsi, says he expects an indictment for lying to investigators. The president has said multiple times he is more than willing to sit down with Mueller's team, but it's unclear if that will ever happen. Let's discuss. John Dean is here, Julia Kayyem, and Garrett Graff as well. Garrett is the author of The Threat Matrix, Inside Robert Mueller's FBI and the War on Global Terror. Good evening to all of you. Julia, I'm going to start with you. President Trump says he's not agitated by the Mueller investigation, but his tweets and literally everything else he has told us about Mueller over the last year, they tell a different story, right? Absolutely. I and mean, this is not a man who seems to be calm, cool and collected about this investigation, you know, launching ad hominem attacks against Mueller and his team, lying about who appointed Mueller in the, in the first place um, and seeming more and more agitated as we get to whatever moment we're getting to. I mean, I would never pretend that I know exactly how this is unfolding. But one thing to remember is that the questions that are being asked, the one thing we do know is that the questions will disclose a theory of a case. So they will ask Trump, you know, mm-hmm. yes or no, did you know that the meeting was happening in Trump Tower down the hallway with these Russian operatives? That's a, you're, it's either yes or no. And what Trump doesn't know is how have other people answered? That's the agitation because for the first time, I think he's starting to see what the theory of the case is. And he probably does not like the, uh, what, um, what those questions are showing in terms of what the Mueller team actually Hey, hey Julia, quickly, because I want to get the other um, panelists in here. Yeah. But do you think that he's getting information from uh, Whitaker? You think Whitaker's been briefed and is giving him information, giving knowledge of this investigation? Uh, I have been on the fence with you and others about Whitaker. You know, I obviously, you know, think others should be the attorney general. Uh, but I, I can't say whether it's yes or no. Sometimes when people get into those positions, they actually behave in ways that are more consistent with the position they're in okay. as attorney general. We haven't heard anything from Rosenstein of concern. It's a little bit like the judge today in the CNN case, Trump appointee. But when you're in that position, things look a little different. Okay. So, John, uh, President Trump says that he's personally writing his responses to Mueller, not his attorneys. Would any lawyer, though, no lawyer would let their client, especially one who is the President of the United States, submit their own answers to an investigation such like this one, correct? Absolutely, Don. Uh, It it was a preposterous claim. But what he did in, in putting it out there was he took ownership of it. Uh, and I'm sure his lawyers were unhappy with that. That may be one of the reasons for the delay. But Maggie Haberman, who's very well plugged in with the White House and, and the legal team, uh, put the lie to it within minutes after uh, uh, he said it. Mm. Um, his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told the Washington Post yesterday that some of uh, Mueller's questions, quote, create more issues for us legally than others. He also called some possible traps. Given what Trump is saying today, does this mean that Trump's lawyers heard something or heard Trump's answers and thought, well, we got a real problem here, John? Well, you know, I think that they know their client very well, and he has 
great difficulty telling the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's something in there that is, is troubling them, and uh, they've got their they've got a break on it, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that would obviously transmit it back to the special counsel. So they're probably working with their client, trying to work that out. He. He also is pretty stubborn. He he's convinced of his own lies often, and yeah. and seems to uh, want to ride with them. It's an, <laughs> it's an interesting way of putting it, yet accurate. Yeah. Uh, so hi, Garrett. Let's bring you in now. So let's talk about the Mueller side of the equation. You're reporting that there are a few reasons to be optimistic that he'll be able to complete his investigation. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean Juliet was just talking about some of the questions surrounding Whitaker. Uh, and one of the things that we are seeing, you know, there's obvious concern around the appointment of Whitaker. There seems to be no good explanation for why Whitaker has been appointed to this role other than the fact that he is there to, you know, shrink, block, uh, stymie the Mueller investigation. That's the but pessimistic part, though. <laughs> right? Well, that's, that's the pessimism. What's the optimistic the, part? The optimism... Uh, that Mueller will be able to complete his probe. What he may find, you know, who knows, but, you know, I think the rule of law in the United States, we hope that he is able to complete his probe on his own terms, on his own schedule, mm -hmm. um, is, you know, he's relatively far along uh, in this investigation. He's known that there, this change in leadership was coming. Jeff Sessions uh, has long been headed for the exit, and even Whitaker himself was floated as the next person to oversee the investigation uh, months ago. So Mueller certainly uh, was not surprised when any of this happened last week. And we've actually seen Whitaker take some steps that make it seem, for now at least, that he is going to abide by the strong norms and procedures of the Justice Department. He, uh, under a tremendous amount of pressure over the last week, ha uh, announced this week that he would seek in ethics uh, con consultation with the ethics attorneys at the Justice Department over whether he would actually be allowed to oversee the Russia investigation given his apparent conflicts of interest, uh, both in personal relationships and public statements uh, against the Mueller investigation. Well, <laughs> this president will not like that if that's indeed the case. So, but I got to ask you, I, I, you know, I cut you off, but did you really get in, did you get in what you, what you wanted to say about the, there's a reason that you believe um, that people should be pessimistic and that is Matthew Whitaker? It, yeah, I mean, there's no good reason for Matt Whitaker to be the acting attorney general of the United States except for the fact that he has been highly critical of the Mueller investigation. I mean, Rod Rosenstein is perfectly capable of leading that department, and the OLC, the Office of Legal Counsel, opinion about Whitaker's uh, appointment is remarkably thin. The best example that they can find uh, of someone serving in this role like Whitaker, they have to go back to 1866 before the Justice Department was even created, uh, and it was someone who served as acting attorney general for just six days. So this is, this is a, an appointment that is far outside the norms of U.S. government. I want to play this. Uh, this is Richard Nixon. This was 45 years ago hmm. tomorrow. He said these famous words. I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes, but in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, 
I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. John Dean, I mean, the, the, the question is obvious here, yeah, but I need, to say, I need to say this. Yet less than a year later, Nixon resigned. Similarities, defensiveness here. What do you say? Well, Nixon was a pretty good actor. Donald Trump is not. Nixon could actually go out and fake it. There's a very different public Nixon than there was behind closed doors, as the tapes show. Uh, Trump wears his emotions right on his sleeve, and you can tell his moods very quickly. Nixon was trying to put on an angry kind of facade for this uh, group of editors he was meeting with in Disneyland uh, to try to start a new disclosure uh, agreement that he was going to be forthcoming. And he was, he, he was very angry about his tax returns. He was found out not to really be a crook, although he took a huge tax deduction. Uh, as far as obstruction of justice, no court ever ruled on it, but certainly public opinion is very clear that uh, he obstructed justice. Yeah. We're out of time. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Thank you. A white male politician in Kansas tells a black female city planner to not forget that he is part of the master race. What's his explanation? That's next. So there is a video coming out of Northeast Kansas that I want you to take a look at. This week, the white commissioner in Leavenworth County rejected a development plan presented to a public meeting by uh, Travis Pendleton, who happens to be black, and he said this. I don't want you to think I'm picking on you because we're part of the master race. You know you got a gap in your teeth. You're the master race. Don't ever forget that. Okay, so Lewis Clint who, like Pendleton, has a gap in his teeth. Claims is um, one account that he was making a joke. The mayor and two fellow commissioners are demanding Clint step down. The county administrator said this, that the use of the term master race, as ill-advised as it may be, was not a reference to Nazis or used in a racist manner in his instance. And I am deeply sorry that one misconstrued comment by a member of our elected governing body was caused has caused so much grief, sorrow, and hatred. So for the record, master race is believed to be a Nazi term suggesting that the Aryan race is a superior race, superior to others. So last year during a hearing, Klimp also made some controversial comments about uh, county holidays and who gets honored and who doesn't get honored. Not everybody does them all because we have Robert E. Lee, oh God, Robert E. Lee, wonderful part of history. It bothers me that if we're going to have Martin Luther King Day, this is him, this is a quote, why don't we have a George Washington? I think George was a pretty important guy. But even free speech advocates like the ACLU also speaking out against Clem's uh, latest poor choice of words. It's Kansas chapter condemning the remarks writing this in part. It says, at a time when hate-based violence is on the rise across the country, we must make it clear that we stand together as diverse communities and that we do not tolerate hate-based speech, especially not in local government. Okay? So, there we go. Let's discuss now. Charles Blow, Scott Jennings. Good evening. Good evening. Where are we with all of this? What is going on here? 
Well, there are two things that I no longer debate, uh, climate change and racism, right? These are facts. And whenever people are trying to debate them, they're really talking about degree. You're over-exaggerating the extent of it. They're not arguing that it doesn't exist. You know, what's contributing to it? What's the extent of it? Are you calling things racist that are not racist, that sort of thing? That, to me, is a waste of time because you see that this continues to happen because these people exist. They exist in positions of power. Uh, and there is something coded into the language that is being used where you can kind of argue that you are not saying something racist, but the racists believe that you are saying something racist. So that, that's everything from the president calling himself a nationalist to this guy saying master race is not really about, <laughs> about Nazis. Well, yeah, but the people who totally believe Nazis. in Nazis master race absolutely believe that that's what you're saying. And so if you can't kind of change your language in a way that is more inclusive and in a way that does not bump up against and wink at the white supremacists, then you're part of that problem. Even if you're ignorant of it, even if you're just an ignorant person. Racism is a system. People think, always think racism requires intent. It requires malice on my part. Racism is a system. And when you use language like this, when you behave in ways that are dictated by your unconscious biases even, somebody is, is hurt by that and somebody benefits from that. And if you're benefiting from that, you're part of the system. Okay. Scott, go you're on. You're right about that. Thank you, everybody.
George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah, Thanksgiving from the date of this show is Thursday this week. And I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. And hopefully, you know, we've got our turkey. <laughs> we've got our turkey. And I want to say what it is, what, how sad it is that some people don't, will not recognize the holiday for what it is. And, um, and for what it is. All righty. Okay. Um, happy Thanksgiving, folks. Um, um, yeah. We were looking at this magazine online, this acoustic guitar magazine online. We are, we are on Amazon. I uh, never, never had, I play gu- acoustic guitar, so never, ever... Um, now, we're on Amazon, and I'm reading this uh, review of this magazine that I just ordered. Uh, it says, this magazine has gone way downhill in recent years. There are no longer any song, song tabs out. The reviews are advertisement in disguise. And most articles are less than two pages. Sadly, it is the only magazine left devoted to acoustic guitar players. Uh, Maybe there just isn't a market for this kind of music anymore. And I want to say to this reviewer who uh, reviewed this, and he's calling this reviewer sad. I mean, he's calling the review sad. Sorry. Um. I have to say, I do think music has changed a lot. I really do think music has has really, really changed. I mean, this is 2018 going into 2019. Music has really changed. And I do think acoustic guitar playing has failed by the wayside. In some cases, I think guitar playing has failed by the wayside. Neither instrument is quite dead, you know, but... Of course, I mean, if you go out and if you bought a acoustic guitar magazine 20 years ago and comparing it to the magazine of today, you're going to miss you're going to be missing a lot that's in there. You're going to be missing. A, I don't I ordered the magazine. I don't really think I need it because I <laughs> I think I'm way beyond it. But it's nice to have, uh, you know, I mean, if you play guitar, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, you're a musician, you're going to have some liter, some literature around about your uh, craft and your instrument. That, I mean, that's commonplace for a musician, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to still get the magazine. When I ordered the magazine, the, the girl on the phone was telling me um, it will take about two and a half months before you receive your first magazine. Really? Really? <laughs> I might as well go to a bookstore, right? 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio Bookstore, right? Uh, on Black Talk Radio, we will be right back. Something called Follow the Money or Five Long Years. Yeah, 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 I, I understand that. Yeah, I can dig that. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome to the new normal when in a single news cycle, the triple threats to Donald Trump's presidency are all on full display. His lies about hush money paid to a porn star, the investigation into possible collusion with Russia, and his strategy to protect himself in the Russia investigation by sliming career law enforcement and justice department officials up in flames today with explosive new reporting from the New York Times about the length that the FBI and Justice Department went to to keep secret the counterintelligence investigation into Trump's associates during the campaign. We start with that breaking news first revealed in the president's financial disclosure form. The Office of Government Ethics saying that a payment made in 2016 by President Donald Trump's longtime personal attorney, Michael Cohen, to an adult film actress should have been included on the president's financial disclosure form last year. The president's most recent disclosure, released today, shows a payment to Michael Cohen of between $100,000 and $250,000. The president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was the first to admit that payments made to Cohen to repay him for things like that hush money to Stormy Daniels were, quote, funneled from Trump through Cohen's law firm to Cohen himself as reimbursement. What started as a defense against campaign finance violations may have landed the president in ethical hot water. The New York Times reporting, quote, a letter accompanying the report sent to Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, from the Government Ethics Office's acting director, David Arpole, said that the Office of Government Ethics had determined, quote, the payment made by Cohen is required to be reported as a liability. MSNBC analyst Joyce Vance putting a finer point on it, saying looks like a campaign finance violation no matter what kind of lipstick you put on the pig. Walter Schaub, the former director of OGE, tweeting, quote, this is tantamount to a criminal referral. OGE has effectively reported the president to DOJ for potentially committing a crime. Joining us to discuss the breaking news, attorney Michael Avenatti, who represents Stormy Daniels. We're also joined by Frank Figluzzi, former FBI assistant director for counterintelligence, New York Times political reporter Nick Confessori, and former U.S. attorney Barbara McQuaid. First, your reaction to the breaking news today that the president has um, potentially been referred to Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein for committing a crime. Well, Nicole, the fact of the matter is, is that these folks can't get their stories straight and they can't figure out what they want to do. They can't uh, get their what they should be doing straight. is telling the truth, and they should have told the truth a long time ago. I mean, this disclosure today um, proves the following. Michael Cohen has been lying to the American people for months. David Schwartz, the individual who came on national television repeatedly on many networks and stated that the president never reimbursed the payment and knew nothing about it, is lying to the American people. Mr. Giuliani, as recently as a week ago, has been lying to the American people about how this occurred and when it occurred, because according to the disclosure today, it occurred back in 2017. Mr. Trump lied to the American people when he was on board Air Force One on video and stated that he knew nothing about the payment. So this disclosure today completely undercuts 
all of that to begin with. And then secondly, it creates significant problems as to why this wasn't disclosed um, last year. It appears to be part of a continued cover-up relating to what the president knew and when he knew it and what he did about it. And I don't believe we, we still don't have the truth as to Maybe those questions. And it's going to be some time until we do, whether that's in response to a deposition or a sworn statement by Mr. Trump in response to Mr. Mueller, or whether it's going to be in response to a deposition by me. You have maintained that you believe you will arrive at a point in your case where you will have an opportunity to depose the president. Does today's news um, change your belief that that is uh, ultimately what will transpire between you and the president? Well, I think it actually adds additional fuel to the fire, the burning fire, as to whether we're going to get a chance to do that. Because every time another piece of information comes out that further undercuts other statements that have been made over the last six months, I think the chances of us taking that deposition, of having an opportunity for that deposition, only grow higher. And I think that's where we are this afternoon. Let's, let's just lay it all out there. You exploded onto the scene after a little story about, in the Wall Street Journal, of all uh, uh, raging liberal media outlets, um, published a story about the Treasury Department and a financial institution flagging a suspicious payment. You've since released reports about suspicious activity reports, SARS. Um, your central contention at the beginning was that the contract that, that, that prohibited your client from speaking out about what she had um, encountered or dealt with, with with the president was null and void because it wasn't signed. Just take us through how today's development relates to the, the, the original case and, and some of the fact pattern from, from the original filing of your case to get Stormy Daniels out of the NDA to the revelation today and the disclosure from the president that he was indeed the person repaying Michael Cohen the hush money for your client. Well, very often in the case, you begin to pull on a string, and you don't necessarily know what that is going to result in. And did I you think, really not know? Well, we had a pretty good idea of what some of the things that some How did of the you dominoes, have an idea? some of the dominoes that might fall. But you know, we, look, we've we've had the good fortune of having Mr. Trump on the other side of this case, and the great fortune of having Mr. Julian, uh, Giuliani on the other it side, and the extreme great fortune of having Mr. Cohen on the other side of this case. And they've done us a lot of good along the way, and have helped out tremendously every time they go on television and make a statement that they know to be false. That only assists us. And what we did know was that the denial by Mr. Cohen, that Mr. Trump, uh, uh, his statement that Mr. Trump knew nothing about this, and that Mr. Trump never reimbursed it, we knew that that was ultimately going to be, be proven to be nonsense. You, so I think we have that video of the president denying that uh, on Air Force One. Um, do we have that? Let's watch that. Watch that in real time, knowing that he was lying. Yeah, and I think I said at the time that I knew that that was going to prove to be um, false. And you have the President of the United States on board Air Force One on video uh, making known misstatements to the American people. According to the disclosure today, those reimbursements, in fact, all occurred well prior to that. They all occurred in the year 2017. This is in um, April of this year. And look, this is all part of a concentrated cover-up relating to this payment, relating to essential consultants. And sooner or later, these folks are either going to come clean voluntarily or they're going to be outed by us and others as it relates to the true facts. And let me, let me also 
put up, Rudy Giuliani, as you said, seemed to make things worse for the president when he talked about funneling money from the president of the United States to various women. And he, and he had a son that still doesn't match up with what was disclosed on today's forum. Let, let's see if we have Rudy Giuliani talking about funneling money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So, so they, they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. <laughs> he did, Sean. Um, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part of, of the whole year, actually, so far. Um, but let me ask you, because we've talked about, I've asked you if other women have come forward. Mm -hmm. Associates of the president do not believe that there's only one Stormy Daniels. Luckily for them, there's only one of you. Um, but they believe that there were many such arrangements. Um, and, and Rudy Giuliani seemed to believe that when talking about something that has clearly in Rudy Giuliani's mind, been operationalized. The funneling of money doesn't sound like something that happens once. It sounds like an operation meant to keep the president's um, embarrassing secret secret. Do you, are you currently representing anyone else, or do you have any evidence that there are still um, things that are not true about the financial disclosure form filed today? We are not technically representing anyone else at this time, but I will tell you that I believe this to be the tip of the iceberg. And among other things, I will state that I think it was David Schwartz on Megyn Kelly's um, show sometimes, some time ago that said that Michael canceled. Cohen's job was to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week fixer for the president and to clean things up. Well, you don't need a 24-7 fixer unless you're breaking a lot of things. Breaking a lot of things, including a lot of laws, Frank? Yeah, so let's put this uh, today's revelation on the financial disclosure in context. There's basically three scenarios. Two of them are really bad for the president, and one strains credulity. The first one is that the president is telling the truth. He didn't know anything about the payments. He's a good guy. He wanted to pay Michael back, so he's done that. Giuliani has actually nixed that because he said the president knew that Michael takes care of such things. So that's a problem. Scenario number two, the president knew about the payments, knew that there were illegalities underlying the payments, money laundering, emoluments clause, fictitious corporations, and decided to pay him back anyway. That makes him an accessory after the fact. Scenario number three, he didn't know there were illegalities involved, but he knew it later and he paid him back. That makes him a co-conspirator. He's in trouble today. Barbara McQuaid, let me get you to jump in, pick up Frank's thread. I'd like to know if you agree with that assessment. And then add in the wrinkle of Rod Rosenstein having another political time bomb ticking in his inbox. Yeah, so... Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
very interesting week here in the United States. And no, not just because of the stupid Omarosa tapes. What's really stupid right now is the fact that we have Democrats, liberals out there, trying to defend the honor of a man like John Brennan. In case you're not familiar with it, earlier this week, Donald Trump stripped John Brennan of his security clearance. Michael Cohen's attorney, Lanny Davis, is with us now. Mr. Davis, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, I don't have to remind you, your client once famously said he would take a bullet for Donald Trump. Now it seems, in a sense, he is the bullet. Does he have damaging information against the president, and is he willing to tell it to prosecutors? Well, he said under oath the most damaging definitive information yesterday that the President of the United States directed him to commit a crime, meaning the President committed the crime and covered it up because he didn't sign the check to keep quiet the affairs with the two women. He asked and directed, is the word used, Michael Cohen to do so. And in case there's any problem here understanding, there's no dispute on the word direction. His attorneys wrote the special counsel and said that President Trump directed Michael Cohen to do this. So the issue of whether he's credible or not has no relevance here. His lawyers are his witnesses against the president as complicit in this crime. But let me ask you, because Michael Cohen, it's his word, and as you say, Rudy Giuliani seems to back that up with some prior statements saying that, yes, in fact, the president knew that these payments to the porn star, the hush money, were being made. But does he have any other evidence, anything to corroborate it? Are there documents? Yes. He does. What, what kind yes. of evidence? 100% definitive. The, the fog of Rudy Giuliani, who says truth isn't truth, is creating simply is contradicted by the president's own lawyers wrote a letter but, to but the special kind of counsel but over and, and that is yeah. evidence definitively when your own lawyers are testifying against the client that's called definitive evidence they said to the special counsel president trump directed the word that used was used in court yesterday, so there's no dispute on that. I get that. Is there anything else? Documents, recording, anything else? I don't know the answer to that question. We'll see whether there's other evidence, but I am saying yeah. uh, that uh, right now Michael Cohen needs help from the American people to tell the truth, and we've set up a website, michaelcohentruthfund.com, to the GoFundMe site, and this is about Michael Cohen telling the truth, but his, but President Trump's own lawyers are corroborating what, uh, what Michael has said. Let's talk about Michael Cohen. I mean, for years and years, he was as thick as thieves with Donald Trump. Again, saying, I'll take a bullet for him. What changed? He's now admitting things he previously denied publicly. When did he turn on Donald Trump and why? Gradually after the election. And when he called me, we talked about almost nothing but that question, that very important question. He's turned his life from what he did for Donald Trump, much of which he now regrets and uh, would love to do redos. But he decided fundamentally that his family and his country were his priorities when he first was interviewed by another network. He said that, and that's the turn in his life, hitting the reset button to tell the truth from now on. And uh, what caused that is a complicated evolution, but he certainly found Donald Trump as president to be unsuitable to hold the office after Helsinki. He worried about uh, the future of our country, 
uh, with somebody who was aligning himself with Mr. Putin uh, in denying what his entire intelligence community, his own appointees have said is an indisputable fact that Putin interfered with our presidential election on behalf of Donald Trump, and he still denies that that's the kind of thing that caused Michael Cohen to change his mind and decide to dedicate himself to telling the truth to the American people. And we have set up a website, michaelcohentruthfund.com, to help him and his family get through this while he tells the truth about Donald Trump. Last question. There's one person who could make Michael Cohen's legal problems go away in an instant. It's Donald Trump. Is he hoping for a pardon from President Trump? Not only is he not hoping for, he would not accept a pardon. He considers a pardon from somebody who has acted so corruptly as president uh, to be something he would never accept. Lanny Davis, thank, thank you, you for everybody. Your- Lanny Davis, thank you, thank you, and thank you. All right. Uh, I think I opened up the show talking about um, Nancy Pelosi, and I'm reading here 16 Democrats signed letter opposing Pelosi as as House Speaker. That's a good start, but you know I think they're going to need more than 16. Uh, yeah, I, like I said before, I have nothing against I have nothing totally totally against Nancy Pelosi. It's not being a woman. Believe me, I'm not sexist. You know, uh, I'm looking at um, things like her age. She's going to be 80. I mean, hey, wow. Some people don't even live to be 80. You know, some people live to be way past 80. But it still, uh, I think, would be a problem. I mean, I've said before, she should probably retire and give it all up and go spend time with her children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. She's rich. She doesn't need the job. <laughs> She's rich. She doesn't need it. We need new ideas. We need new faces. We need someone who's going to take on these Republicans because they're going to fight like tooth and nail uh, uh, the Democrats. They're going to fight them like tooth and nail. I mean, we're going to hear more bickering. There's going to be more gridlock. Even Trump himself has said there's going to be a lot of gridlock if they – Democrats in the House try to in, try to uh, investigate me. He's been threatening uh, Democrats, uh, liberals since uh, he got trounced in the midterms, and there was a big a blue wave. He got trounced. Now he's been threatening, 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 threatening all over the place. He's threatened the press. He's threatened Jim Acosta. He's threatened a lot of people. He's threatened. Uh, John Berman uh, took away his his uh, security clearance, and he's threatened to take away more security clearance. He took away John Acosta, Jim Acosta's uh, press pass, and he's threatened to take away more press pass until he was sued. Uh, and I'm I understand that now that CNN has dropped his suit against Donald Trump, they were going to sue him because Donald Trump was saying that he's going to actually after after so many days he was going to retake Acosta's press pass and CNN say, hey, they're going to sue. Suddenly, Trump and the White House dropped the suit. Now, Jim Acosta has his full White House press pass reinstated without the threat of having it revoked again. 
This is what I've been talking about for a long time. You stand up to bullies, you will win. Stand up to them. Do not back down. This is a second win for CNN because they stood up to a tyrant. They stood up to a an asshole. I mean, when you fight Donald Trump, he backs down. If he sees you're going to fight him, he's going to back down. He blows, he, he talks out of his ass. He's threatening you, he's threatening you, you sue him, then he backs down. Because one of the things Donald Trump does not want to do, he does not want to end up in court as president of the United States. He does not want to end up in court, period, because if he goes to court, he's going to have to expose a lot more of himself than he has as president, as being president. A lot more of his personal uh, things as being president. That's why he doesn't want to go to court. That's why a lot of times Donald Trump settles out of court. I mean, there are, I mean, uh, 2016, when he was running for president, a lot of this shit was coming out. I'm thinking, wow, he's going to court. He's got a court date, court date. No. Yeah, he had those court dates, but he didn't appear. Some, somebody, someone in his te- on his team paid those plaintiffs off. Paid off. You know, I mean, money talks. What can you say? You know, oh, oh, I'm going to sue Donald Trump. I'm going to sue him. All of a sudden, someone knocks on your door, gives you a check. Okay, I won't sue him. This is <laughs> this is what has been going on with Donald Trump. The reason why he he's not going to sue, he's not going to, uh, but he will bully you to see how far he can get with you. But once you start to fight him back and show them show him that you have ammunition, he backs down like a crying puppy. This is why I keep saying bullies are cowards, and Donald Trump proves it. Donald Trump proves it. He is a coward. He can't stand for you to fight him back. He will wilt like a a flower. He will just wilt. This is what this man is all about. And I, I want to say to everybody out there, every kid, every adult, if you're being bullied... Stand up to your bullies. Stand up to them. And they will back down, just like Donald Trump does. Bullies are nothing but cowards. That's all they are. All they are. I, I mean, when I was in grade school and high school, I was bullied too. But I had enough, and I stood up to the bully. As I've told people on, on this show, I've stood up to the bully, and we became best friends. We really did, and that's a true story. I'm not lying, but I understand that it's not all true in some cases. You're not going to become best friends with the bully, but the bully will back up off you. Even if you get in a fight with the lose with the bully, okay, let's say if you get in a physical fight with the bully and you lose, and you lose, the bully will still respect you for standing up for yourself. And he may leave you alone because of that. You stood up for yourself. You stood your ground, even though you lost the fight. 
you lost a physical fight. Stand up to bullies. I mean, even I think a lot of these uh, domestic cases, domestic violence cases, I think if the woman would have stood up to her bully boyfriend or a bully husband or whatever, I think a lot of them would still be alive today. If someone bullies you and they find out that you are so afraid of them, you are terrified of them, they're going to keep coming after you. And they will kill you if you do not stand up to a bully. A lot of these people out here who do not stand up to Donald Trump, they probably would be uh, broke by now. He would try to ruin them in some sort of a way because he could. Or he thought he could stand up to bullies. I'm gonna say this in these in domestic violence to, uh, situations also. Stand up to bullies. There's nothing like an adult bully. I mean, a lot of us grew in, grew up thinking bullies were kids in high school and grammar school. No, 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 no. Bullies are in can be in every workplace in America. You get hired, here comes the bully. It could be your supervisor, it could be your coworker. I don't know, it could be the guy who refills the vending machines in the lobby, in the cafeteria. Stand up to bullies. That's the only way you're going to make it. And I've been saying that for years and years and years. And some people are hearing it and some people are not hearing it. This is why we have so many young ladies in the morgue. They didn't stand up to their to their abusive husband. They didn't stand up against uh, their abusive boyfriend. And you've got a lot of women out here right now who are getting beat, beat because they will not stand up to this bully. And you got women, well, I got to go back to him. I said, why do you keep going back to somebody who's beating your ass every night? I don't have nowhere else to go. Anywhere would be better than that. If you slept in uh, in the park would be better than that. And there's so many agencies out here that it's a shame that some of these women don't use these agencies uh, to help them with abusiveness. They can, a lot of women can get out of these situations. A lot of women can get out of these situations that they find themselves in. There's, there's numbers all over the place. That they can find themselves in. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hello, George. How you doing? Are we live? Or I'm fine. The Blue Room. <laughs> We're live, man. <laughs> you got Look, a comment I or? Uh... Ta- I hear where you're talking about the blue wave. Now, I, okay. I live in in a red state, and I actually I'm supporting voted for Donald Trump. And also okay. have a home in uh, Baton Rouge. But, you know, one of the reasons why I did, uh, George, <clears throat> well, the reason uh, was his campaign issues. And one of the things that he harped on, <clears throat> amongst a lot of others, was school choice. And I think and believe that uh, parents should have the right to put their child where they feel is best for their educational outcomes, especially as it leads all into higher education. And 
We talk about African Americans. Georgia is just not happening the way it is. I read an article where it said that in California State, 75% of black males are not reading at level. And I know personally that with a school in St. Louis that I approached the principal about having an opportunity to speak to parents, to share with them what i done, and also to try to get them involved with some programs that would help direct them into the STEM fields. She said to me when she said that only 10% of the third graders are reading that level. Now, I just didn't stop there. I tried to get volunteers to go to the school to help the kids, help the students, you know, in the areas of concern. But Democrats do not like that, George. And you have these organizations, unions that represent teachers. You have social organizations like the NAACP. They are totally, totally against that. What's your opinion? You're you're saying they're totally against uh, kids learning to uh, uh, school choice. I mean, I I think right now, I I don't think people have – I, I don't think – I think people have choices where they can send their kids to school. I, I haven't heard of that, you know, that people don't – that thing, Democrats though. do not agree uh, – uh, that uh, Democrats do not agree with uh, parents having uh, a choice to where they want to send their kids. I haven't heard that. Yes. That is all – School choice with vouchers. That, that, uh, I haven't heard that. I'm sorry, but I yeah. haven't heard it. You see, I'm trying to struggle. I'm struggling here. Uh, yeah, because it is, I always though, felt the Democrats, I always felt the Democrats and liberals, Democrats mm-hmm. and liberals were pro-education. And I always they are. said uh, the pro-education and Donald, they are not pro-education. We have Betsy DeVos, who's in charge of, of of education, her main job is to destroy education, to keep people dumb, to keep people stupid, to keep people down. Well, she's and, the, she's the school choice, George. As a matter of fact, she operates. Uh, her husband does operate uh, basic school choice uh, with her aviation I, I school think there. So. In the I mean, state. she's done something recently. Uh, she's done something recently where she's watering down sexual assault on college campuses and they're all up in arms about that they're bitching about that you know uh and she gave a couple of interviews where it seemed as though she didn't know one iota of a bit of what she was doing in that position this is why i'm always saying that she's there to destroy education because the republicans they don't give a shit about education we have a president we go to school doing that we have a president who tweets, and every time he tweets, he, he seems like he needs an editor in, in his tweets. He, he misspells, he misquotes, he, you know, and he's constantly do it. So I don't think uh, – I do think uh, re- Democrats are pro-education. We may disagree on that, but um, that's how – Well, from my experience from working on yeah. uh, trying to promote a uh, school option, there was a company called Bayo. Uh, Black uh, Association for Educational Options was an, was an acronym, and uh, in the starting of charter schools, especially when Missouri uh, passed the law allowing them, it was Democrats that was totally against this, and particularly. But you know what? I agree with you on. 
Yeah, yeah, NAACP. But you know what I agree with you on? I do think that uh, reading in some of these schools is atrocious. Uh, 75% of the black African-Americans reading at a third grade level in eighth grade. And a lot of these uh, public schools, they ill prepare uh, kids for college. You know, I've heard because well, I've heard college. Do you know what that is? When you go to the historical black colleges and universities and enjoy I'm not throwing no, no onus on the kids. It's the society. But uh, at the, uh, those black colleges and universities, you only have five that has a graduation rate above 50% in six years. And that's totally ridiculous. Black engineers in the United States is less than 4%. That's, oh, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe even worse than that. Who knows? Um, you and know, I work with the National Society of Black Engineers, St. Louis, a local, trying to get more parents to put their kids in these programs that start off as early as the eighth grade. That starting to acclimate them with through workshops on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you know, expose them. But George. Uh, with China putting out 600,000 engineers, graduates a year, India 300,000, I mean, black kids are going to get left if they're not already left. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they've already been uh, been left. A lot of them have because they don't, just don't have the structure and, and the, the, the learning apparatus around them. Some of the some of their parents. Uh, need an education. How can you know they tell the kids to uh, you need to graduate high school when they right. didn't didn't graduate? You know, so mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's a mess. It's so I'm here to try it's to terrible. I'm I'm here to try to make the world a better place and you know try to do well. What you know I you can, do because you, know? you you're willing to listen. That's a good point right there. But I appreciate yeah. the opportunity that your show provides. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Take care. Thanks for being on the show. All right, George Water Jr.'s show is on the air. We'll be right back, folks, if we can find take a musical break here. Uh, and once again, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I mean, have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, wow, the holidays are coming up real fast. And uh, <laughs> we got to think about what we're going to do. We're going to be out of a lot of money because we're going to be shopping our asses off. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back to the Smoke Water Jimmy Show. Ivanka Trump used personal accounts for emails about government business. She should be in a lot of trouble. But I'm pretty sure she's not because Republicans in the Senate, they're going to re- they're going to protect her. But it's up to the Democrats uh, who will be sworn in on January 3rd, 2019, to investigate this, if they shall. Because they really took Hillary through the coals, uh, investigating her for all these years, the Republicans. They're going to have to investigate her. But, uh, but the Republicans, they have one way of doing things for themselves and another way for everybody else. All right, multiple people shot in downtown Denver. Also, there were at least three people who are, criti- who are in critical condition, including a police officer, after a shooting at Chicago's Mercy Hospital. I've been to that uh, medical facility a few times, years back, but I, <laughs> I was there, you know. Uh, uh, I don't think I've ever been a patient at uh, Mercy Hospital, but I've known people who were. And I visited a lot of people there when they were, you know, uh, going through whatever they were going through in terms of their health. But at least three people are in critical condition, uh, including a police officer after a shooting at Chicago's Mercy Hospital. That was a kind of a stunner. And it took me back a ways. But um, the chaos goes on and on in Chicago. It goes on. It goes on. We have a police superintendent who doesn't seem to know what he's doing when it comes to curtailing or stopping these shootings, these violence uh, occurrence with weapons. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just, just like the mayor picking up a paycheck. Uh, and I've been in his ass uh, a lot, a lot. And I've been in Mayor Rami's and Emanuel's ass too about the crime in Chicago. I mean, if you think about it, New York, Los Angeles, these are cities that are a lot bigger than Chicago. They're larger. But yet combined, both of those uh, cities, New York City, both of those cities combined have a lower crime rate than Chicago, and they're bigger. My thinking is that these clowns in Chicago just can't uh, seem to find a way to bring down crime. I don't need to hear that crime is lower than it was last year or lower than it was 10 years ago or lower than it was a week ago. I don't need to buy that. That's bullshit. That's stuff, stuff that they're feeding us. They can't find, an, they can't come up with any ideas, any strategies, strategies that work to lower crime in the city of Chicago. And they're getting paid big bucks for it. I'm talking about six-figure salaries, folks, of tax money. You've got a mayor. You've got a superintendent of police who cannot figure out how to protect the people of their city, the folks who put their asses in office. There is a solution to the violence in the city of Chicago. We just have to get people in office 
who knows a little bit about what they're doing because what we have now, these people don't even know what they're doing. They're on their way out of office. Rahm Emanuel is not running for mayor again in the city of Chicago. He's not running again. The superintendent, he's going to – his ass is on his way out. So they really have no – we have no ideas on how to do this, and they really have no uh, – uh, they really have no way to, to keep from wanting to do their jobs. They're on their way out. So they don't have to even give you know a reason to why they are not uh, – Focusing on bringing down crime in the city of Chicago. Crime can be. I think if I was a superintendent of Chicago, I think I can bring crime down. I'm not Donald Trump. All right. I think because I could come up with a lot of uh, scenarios, a lot of ideas, a lot of things that need to be done to bring crime down. And I would do if I was the mayor or superintendent, I would do anything there is within the law to bring the carnage down in the city of Chicago. These creeps will not do that. And that includes bringing in the National Guard, if that's, if that's what's warranted to bringing down the crime. But I know why these jackasses don't want to bring in the National Guard. It will make them look bad. It will make them look like failures. Well, I got news for you. You are failures when it comes to trying to curb the violence in the city of Chicago. You too are failures. People dying. People not being able to walk out to the store or the park. Afraid of getting a bullet. Oh yeah, it's bad in the city of Chicago. And I I moan for those people who are living in, in so many some unsafe, excuse me, unsafe areas of the city. And not being protected by the Chicago police. A lot of these police, uh, you don't see them until the crime has actually been done. Before the crime <laughs> was, uh, uh, before someone had gotten killed or gotten shot, you didn't see a police nowhere in the community. Nowhere. But let somebody, let someone get shot, a child. I mean, police officers, I mean, you see, you will see a hundred police officers on that street. But before, you didn't see not one. Not one officer. And that's why that child was shot, because there was no one in the area patrolling, whether on foot or in car. There was no police officers in that area. And you tell yourself why. When, you, when they know it's a high crime area. All right, you've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank the caller uh, and everybody with good, <laughs> with great uh, suggestions and ideas and comments. I want to thank everybody for that, okay? Don't forget to visit my Amazon website. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Heaven help the roses if the 